0: today I have a message of encouragement and a message of hope for you. At least I hope it's a message of encouragement to you. The title, we can put the slide up there, the title of my sermon is Trouble, 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 Miracle. Trouble, 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 Miracle. And this Title is taken from a passage in Luke chapter 18. You can put the scripture up there. Luke chapter 18. Listen to this, beginning in verse 31. It says, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and he says, they will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him, and they will kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. You know, early on in Jesus' ministry, Jesus spoke a little more cryptically to his followers about the path that he was on. But it was later in his ministry that he began to speak very plainly to him. And this is an example of that, where he begins to tell them very plainly, this is what is going to happen to me. Here are the details. And I really like this particular scripture because, I mean, I like the fact that it says the disciples still didn't understand it they still didn't get it. And in some weird way, that kind of gives me a little bit of hope because there's so many times in my discipleship that I don't get it. And if these people who like were standing face to face with Jesus and he was speaking plainly to them still went, what? It just gives me a little bit of hope for me. Like, okay, you know, maybe it's not so bad when I don't totally understand everything that the Lord is doing in my life. But this is not the part of the passage that I wanna focus on today, the disciples' reaction. That's not what I wanna focus on. I wanna focus on what Jesus said. He talks about how he is going to die. He says there that they will mock him, they will insult and spit on him, they will flog and kill him. Then he says, on the third day, I will rise again. So what he's saying is, my path includes trouble, and then some more trouble, and if that's not enough, a little more trouble than a miracle. You know, this is a theme throughout the Bible, this idea that problems often precede blessings. This is a theme you see throughout the scriptures. It is a theme. We see beautiful things often spring out of difficult and challenging circumstances. This is the theme. Trouble, 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 miracle. And this, Jesus is saying, is the path he was on. And this is important for us. It's important for us to talk about this because if we choose to follow Him, this is a concept that we're going to need to get comfortable with. Because this is going to be the path that we're going to be on. And that's why I say this is a message of hope. Not because I'm trying to tell you you're going to have troubles, but because troubles are often the path to miracles in our lives. Now the timing of those miracles may not be what we think they should be. In fact, in Jesus' case that we're just reading, the miracle doesn't show up until after his life is over. And so the timing may not always be what we think the timing should be, and praise God for that because God has his own timing, but the point is this, you can hang in there. You can hang in there because you have something to look forward to. There's a miracle in store. The spiritual journey for the person who's truly gonna follow Jesus is often trouble, 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 miracle. Now, I would like to note, next slide, that this is not a formula, all right? For if you're like me, you're like, oh, thanks. Thanks for giving me the steps, check. This is not a formula. A formula is predictable. A, a formula is always the same in every situation. You know, a formula requires no faith because it works every time. E equals MC squared. The amount of energy that uh, mass produces is the... Uh, the, the uh, what does it mean, actually? I, mean, so <laughs> I, I knew. You know. I don't want to bore you with the details of it. No, it's mass of the, of, of the mass times the speed of light squared. Thank you very much.
1: You can call me Einstein. No, no I'm fine.
0: Right, that's a formula. And that's how we get atomic energy. That's how we get, uh, you know, weapons. That's how we, that is a formula that works all the time. This is not a formula, what I'm telling you. This is, next slide, This is a theme. A theme. A theme is different than a formula because a theme is an idea. It's a concept that reemerges itself in the story over and over and over. Now, the theme may, may manifest itself differently in different ways with different people, but you see a common concept there. That's a theme. And that's what This is. This theme, this theme of problems often preceding blessings in our life, this theme is all throughout the Bible. If you don't believe me, next slide. Here are some examples. And here are just the ones that I thought of. These are just a handful Abraham and Isaac, Daniel, the lion's den, Hannah. And her son, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the furnace, Gideon, Israelites freed from slavery, Moses splitting the Red Sea, Job, his entire life basically, uh, Dave, Dave, David, I call him Dave, Dave defeating Goliath, King Saul, Absalom, Ruth, Naomi, Naomi uh, Nehemiah, the wall. You can read them. I, I can't read backwards like that very well. But, and then those are just the Old Testament. They go in the New Testament. And these are, these are events that had problems and struggles, but then God came through. And you could probably add 10, 20 more from, from your own knowledge of the scriptures. My point is that this is a theme through the scriptures. We see it over and over. Each of these stories are a little bit different, and God manifests the theme a little bit differently, but the concept is still there. This idea of trouble, trouble, more trouble. Miracle. It's something you see throughout the scripture. So, next slide. What do we do? What are we going to do? While we are waiting for that miracle, on God's timing, while we're waiting for that blessing, how shall I carry myself? How shall I handle myself? There's a great verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. It says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. There you go. There's your answer. While I'm in the midst of this process, No matter how long the troubles may last or how short the troubles may be, well, I'm waiting for God to come through to deliver in the way that only God can. How do I carry myself? What do I do? Well, this verse simply says you trust God and do good. Trust God and do good. And that's a great verse. But you know, I want to dive in a little bit deeper today. I want to even go a little bit close. I want to break it down. What does it mean to do good? I want to break it down a little bit more, be even a little more practical. And what I want to do is since Jesus was the one who predicted this was going to happen, I want to look at him and see how he carried himself, and let him be our God. Everything Jesus told his disciples that was going to happen to him, it happened. Exactly the way. If you know the story, it happened and he did get crucified on a cross. It, he was mocked, he was spit on, he was rejected, all the things that he had said. But what did he do? How did he carry himself? How did he entrust himself to God and Continue to do good. What did he do? I am going to give you three examples today from his life going forward. What did he do? Now these are just three that resonate with me that really help me. Hopefully they'll help you as well. And again, this is not a you can go through, and I'm sure you can pull out three more. In fact, I would even encourage you to. I would encourage you to go and study it out on your own and see. What resonated about Jesus? Jesus, knowing that this is what he's in for, how did he carry himself on his path to that death? while well, he waited to be raised again on the third day. What did Jesus do? What is it that we can learn? How can, what can we learn from example? Well, first thing, point number one. Next slide. We can seek surrender in prayer. What can we do? Well, one, we can seek surrender in prayer. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 39. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching this place, he said to them, pray that you'll not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and he prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. as It says, then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You know, it's safe to say, That even though Jesus knew the plan and even predicted the plan and told his followers about the plan, it's safe to say he wasn't looking forward to the plan. He really didn't want to do the plan. And here, in this passage, you see him wrestling in prayer. He's asking and looking, requesting another way. Is there another path? In fact, Matthew's, account of this same thing says he didn't just pray this prayer once. He prayed how many times? Three times. Three times he went to God and asked God. But he finally reaches a point of surrender. Surrender to God. And he does it through prayer. He does it through prayer. If we're going to handle our life the way Jesus handled his life. We've got to learn to seek surrender to God in prayer. There's a great verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. For those who have been trained by it. That's Hebrews twelve verse eleven. I, I love this verse. I love this verse for a couple reasons. One, it's restating this theme that we're talking about, and that you know that you go through. It talks about our hardships. We should endure our hardships because our hardships are disciplined. God is training us, and and but later there's a harvest of righteousness and peace that comes from these hard times. So I love this verse because it just again just restates what we're talking about but i really like this verse because it also validates that troubles stink <laughs> that difficulties are painful it says no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful it's not even not just pleasant but it's painful our trials our troubles hurt they hurt you don't have to enjoy your troubles. You don't have to enjoy them. Yes, the Bible teaches us to rejoice in our troubles, but there's a big difference between rejoicing and enjoying. There's a big difference. Enjoying is how you feel about it. Rejoicing is what you do with it. You can rejoice about something and still not be enjoying it. And so the Bible doesn't actually expect you to enjoy your pain you don't have to enjoy your troubles but you do need to seek surrender and you do that like jesus through your prayers you know surrender it is found in truthful prayers to god not religious prayers and we're all guilty of that at times you know you kind of just start praying and you get into autopilot and you start repeating things that you've either heard or said and you know your heart is somewhere else you're thinking about something else you're praying but you're thinking about other things right? that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about truthful prayers where you genuinely lay your heart out before God Jesus spoke very truthfully in this prayer to God I was uh, recently praying about a situation, a situation that I felt very strongly about. And it wasn't even a situation that dealt with me, it was a situation for somebody else. And I prayed about it and I was very honest with God. I said, God, just pray that, that everything will work out this particular way. And when the day came for the situation, it actually was the exact opposite of everything I prayed for. In fact, what I had prayed for, it went the opposite way and it actually was really, really terrible. And I remember when, when that happened, my heart sank. And, um, and I just prayed in my mind, in my heart. I said, God, you know, sometimes I struggle believing you because you're the one who said, you know, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock. And then, you know, you're the one who promised these things. And I'm almost kind of ashamed that I thought this. But I, I felt like maybe I just... Maybe I can't believe those scriptures sometimes. You know, that's, that's, it was, yeah, it was a very like, and it wasn't, it was just in my mind and in my heart. I was like, God, I'm just, I don't know. And I really, it, it really, it really, I really struggled with it. But I will say that it helped me to reach a point of surrender. Where I did just go, okay, God, after I press, all right, God, well, you know, I mean, you're God and you know better and I don't, and I trust you. And um, and it was the truthfulness that helped me get to a point of surrender. And wouldn't you know that before the day even ended, the situation I was praying about not only turned around, but it ended in a in a spot that was better than I had even initially prayed about. And in hindsight, I was I was really humble because like, okay, God, clearly you said no because you had something better in mind. <laughs> and that was just like a little bonus, you know, humbling, bo- humbling ice cream, ice cream, icing on the cake, ice cream. Put ice cream on your cake too. Whatever you put on your cake, there's no judgment. No judgment here. It was just a little extra icing on the cake, right? But, but, but it was the honesty that, that helped me get to the point of surrender. Before God, whether God was going to change the situation or not. It wasn't even really the point at that point. You know, that's where surrender comes from. It comes from honestly putting your heart before God. The irony of all that, though, is God already knows, you know. <laughs> You're not surprising him. You're not saying something to him that he goes, oh, oh, didn't see that coming. No, he, he knows. It's really more for you, to be honest, not God. Uh, it really helps you more. You know, we've got to seek surrender in prayer. You know, a great example of this whole theme that we're talking about, this trouble, 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 miracle theme, a great example is baptism. You know, the whole point of you know, getting baptized. The Bible teaches very clearly in Romans chapter 6 that when you and I get baptized in water, it is our participation in this process. You are dying to yourself the way Jesus died on the cross. You're being buried in water the way Jesus was buried after his death. And then you're being raised again to a brand new life the very same way Jesus was raised again. So this is how we participate in in following Jesus, not physically dying, but spiritually dying. And it's always funny to me when people resist baptism. They're like, no, 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 no. And they make these doctrinal arguments about, well, oh, baptism this, what about this, what about this, when it always really comes down to their unwillingness to just surrender and die, to, 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 to get to this point of, okay, God, I surrender to you. That's really, and so they throw up the smoke screen and, well, you know, this scripture and that scripture and this scripture, amen. Amen. I'm all for seeking out the Scriptures and finding understanding. I'm not, not mocking that. I'm just saying that sometimes when you get really down to it, it's just, I don't want to surrender. I don't want to give up my belief system for God's belief system. I don't want to give up my life for God's life. And they resist it. But it's always amazing when somebody is willing to surrender, to give up themselves. Give themselves over to God. Be be buried in water and, and baptized and raised to a new life. How is your surrender level to God today? How would you assess your level of surrender? Are you not there yet? Well, it's okay. Even Jesus had to get there. But the way you get there, like Jesus, is through prayer. What do we do? What do we do as we are going through this process of trouble, 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 waiting for that blessing, that miracle? What do we do? Well, one, we seek surrender through prayer. Two, next slide. We embrace the process. Embrace the process. Here's a great verse. Mark chapter 14. Beginning in verse 57 it says then some stood up this is Jesus again on his way to be crucified then some, some stood up and gave their this false testimony against him we have heard him say i will destroy this temple made with human hands and in 3 days will build another not made with human hands yet even their testimony did not agree then the high priest stood up before them and asked jesus are you not going to answer what is this testimony that these men are bringing against you but jesus remained silent and gave no answer Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. You know, here, as Jesus is approaching his death, Here, you see the people around him are trying to build a case against him. They're trying to come up with a legal reason to put him to to death. And they're coming up with all these crazy things. And it says even their own, you know, their own accusations didn't even agree with each other. And Jesus remains silent. He didn't even respond. Didn't even respond to that. So finally, the high priest just looks at him directly and says, are you the son of God? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, I am. I love that. I love that verse. I love how Jesus didn't respond to their crazy accusations, but when asked straight up, are you the guy? Are you the son of God? Yes. He leaned into it. He embraced it. Every time I read this, I just can't help but to think of the ending of Iron Man. You remember that? I know it's 15 years old, right? It's crazy. It feels like it was yesterday that you saw it. But it's 50, I know it's a 50, but in the end, when, you know, the time when superheroes had their alter, you know, their secret identities, and no one, they didn't want to tell anybody who, you know, Iron Man's wrestling with, it's all right, you know what? Let's just show the clip. And now Mr. Stark has prepared a statement. He will not be taking any
1: questions. Thank you.
0: Uh, been a while since I was in, front of you I figure I'll stick to the cards this time <laughs> <clears throat> There's been speculation that I was involved in the events that occurred the freeway and the rooftop I'm sorry so,
1: Mr. Stark but do you honestly expect us to believe that that was a bodyguard in a suit that conveniently appeared despite the fact that United I know that it's powered- confusing
0: it is one thing to question the official story and another thing entirely to make wild accusations or insinuate that I'm uh, a superhero I never so, said you were a superhero Didn't Mm-mm. Well, good, because that would be outlandish and uh, fantastic. I, I, I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly, with this uh, laundry list of character defects, all the mistakes I made, largely public.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. The truth is.
0: I am Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how the movie ends. Oh, it was. I still. Like, okay, we can. We don't. We can watch it again. Yes, that's how the movie ends, and I love that. I love that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's leaning in, and he said, "Yes, I am exactly who I claim to be." Listen, sometimes. When we are troubled in our lives, when we are struggling in our lives, when we are weak, we get timid and we get ashamed and we get afraid or we get embarrassed. Instead, what I'm saying to you, like Jesus, embrace it. Embrace the weakness. Why? Because it's part of the process, it is the path to the miracles. So don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed of it. You don't have to like it. We've already established that. But don't be ashamed when you're struggling. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to be weak. Our brother, Paul, the apostle, wrote it this way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he says, but, but he said to me, talking about God, God said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made Perfect in weakness. So Paul concludes, he says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, he says, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, In persecutions and difficulties not because they're fun not because they're enjoyable but because he says when I am weak that's when I'm strong so uh, my point to us brothers and sisters is when you are going through that process don't be afraid don't run away don't hide lean in say yes I am weak right now join the club It's a big club. Lean in and embrace it because when we are weak, that's when we are strong. Are you going through some troubles right now? Are you going through some trials? Well, don't hide. There's nothing to be embarrassed about or ashamed of or afraid of. Embrace it. It's okay. It's part of The path. Trouble, 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 Trouble. miracle. That's the theme. Hang in there. What do we do? In the meantime, seek surrender in prayer, embrace the process, and finally, last slide, give grace to people. Give grace to people. Luke chapter 23 beginning in verse 39. Remember, Jesus is now hanging on the cross and he's been crucified between two thieves, two criminals. And uh, listen to the conversation that they have there. This is Luke 23, verse 39. It says, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for what, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. What an amazing exchange. Between Jesus. Recording in progress. (laughs) Amen. It's being recorded, just in case you didn't catch that. (laughs) What an amazing exchange between Jesus and these people. Jesus is literally moments now from his death. The miracle hasn't happened yet. He is on the verge. He is moments from his unjust an extremely painful death yet somehow somehow Jesus is able to still extend some kindness the first guy hanging there the first guy does what i think a lot of us do when we're in pain he lashed out when we're struggling and we're going through something difficult and somebody walks by we lash out. Maybe it's someone we know. Maybe it's not. But we lash out. That's what a lot of us do. But the second guy showed some kindness. He said, no, no, no. And he defended Jesus. And what's interesting is his kindness is in what prompted Jesus' kindness. And of course, Jesus' kindness saved his soul. It's a, it's a testimony to the power of of giving grace to people, especially when we are going through hard times. You know, I appreciate when people give me grace. I appreciate when people give me the benefit of the doubt, especially when I don't deserve it. And I remember uh, it was in December. Yeah, it was this last December, December the 11th. I was standing right here actually. And I was preaching a sermon for Christmas about the humility of God. Maybe you, you remember that sermon, maybe you don't. But as I was preaching this sermon, I thought you know, it went pretty well. And after it was over, somebody pointed out to me that um, on the giant screen behind me, where I put the word humility, I had misspelled the word humility. Not once, but twice. <laughs> and on this one particular screen, I had the word humility up there three times, You know, three different points. And it wasn't like I didn't know how to spell it because I got it right in the first one. I just missed it in the second and then, and then missed it again. I didn't even misspell it the same way that I, I came up with a new version of it. <laughs> right? And it's so humbling. I mean, it's ironic because it's so humbling. It feels like, you know, you march down the field. You put so much work into something you, and, and then you misspell some words. You know, you march down the field and you kick a field goal. That's what it feels like. You're like, oh, you know, come on. You know, I, I, I was really bummed. But I appreciate because one sister said, she said, uh, she said, well, when she saw it, her first thought was, oh, well, maybe, maybe this is just an illustration Phil is using in his sermon, (laughs) right? Maybe, maybe he's just trying to give us variations to help our, I I don't know. But I, it was not at all what I was doing. I just blew it. I just missed, I just spell check. I didn't catch it. But I appreciated so much
1: the first thought of, oh,
0: well, maybe this is part of his illustration, <laughs> you know, like as if I would have actually kind of smart, but I, I, I wasn't, but I appreciated the benefit of the doubt. And then, and then two weeks later, on Christmas Day, if you remember, we had church online, and I pre-recorded myself preaching a sermon, and right at the end of my lesson, the audio cut out. Again, you may remember whatever, but the audio just ended, and I remember while it's happening, I thought, oh, wow, something's obviously wrong with YouTube. Well, I went back later and looked at the video, and you no, know, something was wrong with the video I had made. The audio just cut out for the last minute or so, and I just didn't catch it. And I thought, oh man, that's, oh, I, should have, I should have caught that. I didn't catch it. And I, I felt, again, I felt bad about it. You put all this work into it, and then the audio goes out. And, and one brother, I was talking to a brother, and he said, yeah, when I saw that, I just figured it was part of your sermon. Because you remember, the topic of my sermon was how you need to stop and think about Christmas. <laughs> Right? That was my point. Whatever you're doing, you need to stop. And he goes, All of a sudden, you were talking, and then the audio just stopped. And I was like, Oh. He's like, I just figured you were making a point. And I thought, That too is brilliant. That is not what I was thinking. But actually, that's a good idea. But again, I just appreciated the grace. The first thought. The first thought was, Oh, wow. Amen. Clearly, this is something he's doing on purpose. It wasn't at all, it was just a failure. But. I appreciate it. Don't you appreciate it when people give you grace? There's an amazing verse in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. By the way, if, if I do make mistakes, and I'm sure there are ones already behind me, I, it's okay. You, I, I'd rather know, so please come and tell me. It's not, it's not bad that you tell me. Uh, you, know, you can tell me how you thought it was part of the plan, and uh, I appreciate that, but it's not. It, 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 hopefully, I didn't make any mistakes. But here's a great verse. Amen. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. And then it says, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. What an amazing verse. There was a situation one time where somebody made a choice to do something and, uh, and it affected me. And, um, but not only did it affect me, it affected another person. And, um, and I didn't really take it, it didn't really bother me that much, but it really bothered the other person. And uh, they said to me, they said, I feel like I should talk to that person because uh, I feel like what they did was wrong. And clearly, you know, it looked like, you know, why, why did they do that? What was their thinking? Why, why did they do that? And um, they said that to me. And I said, well, if you need to talk to them, that's great. You should. You should go talk to them. I said, I don't know why they chose that. I don't know why they did that. I said, but, but I, will, I will tell you that I do know that person. And that person is a righteous person. That person is a holy person. That is a person of, of character and a person of integrity. And so I don't know why they chose that, but I, that, I know that's who they are. Yeah. To which they said to me, they said, oh, okay. Well, I guess I can let it go then. And I quoted this verse to him. I said, well, actually, that is to your glory, then, if you are able to overlook an offense. You know, while we are troubled, while we are struggling, while we are going through our difficult times, we need to be like Jesus. We need to follow his example, especially in our troubles, especially when we're on the edge, especially when we're hurting. We need to give Grace to people. To be kind to people. Let us not be quick to judge to jump to judgment, but instead let us be like Jesus, eager to give grace to people. Last slide. What is our theme today? Trouble, 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 miracle. Say it with me. Trouble, 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 miracle. Trouble. Problems often precede blessings. Jesus experienced it. And so as his followers, you will experience it too. But hang in there. Again, this is a message of encouragement. Hang in there. Hang in there. Because the miracle is coming. The blessing is coming. It may not be in the time frame that you and I think. But God always knows what he's doing. So let's find encouragement that God's goodness will triumph. In a moment, we're gonna close out our service here with a song, but before that, we're actually gonna have a baptism. We're gonna have a baptism right over here. We're gonna actually see what I was talking about a few minutes ago, somebody surrendering their life, giving themselves spiritually, being buried, their sins being wiped away, and walking in the light. But before we do that, I wanna close my sermon with a sermon. Yeah. You're thinking, what? Another one? Yes. This one's much shorter. In fact, this is a pretty famous sermon by a man named Dr. Shadrach Lockridge. And it really summarizes what it is we're talking about. This is a three minute video that's been re recorded and set to some graphic images to help dis- uh, illustrate it. But listen to the words. Listen to the words of this very famous sermon. Maybe you've heard it. It summarizes
1: the theme we're talking about. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sunday's are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar, they crown him with thorns, but they don't know that Sunday's coming, it's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary, his blood dripping, his body stumbling and his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday, Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the world's winning, people are sinning, and evil's grinning. It's Friday, the soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross, they nailed my Savior's feet to the cross, and then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday, but let me tell you something, Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross feeling forsaken by his father left alone and dying. can nobody save him oh it's friday but sunday's coming it's friday the earth trembles the sky grows dark my king yields his spirit it's friday Hope is lost, death has won, sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laughing. It's Friday, Jesus is buried, a soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place, but it's Friday. It is only Friday, Sunday is a coming.